This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. I'm back, baby! I'm back! The boys are back in town! Turned around, guys. We are back, baby. We are back. We are back. Classic. We are back. We are back. We are getting back. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. Have all four sidekicks ever been in the same place at the same time? Don't call us sidekicks. Not after today. I'm back in business, baby! Why let them tell us what to do? It's simple. Get on board or get out of the way. You just don't get it, do you? You went off mission. That was a huge mistake. Impulse? That's so crash! I'm back, baby! Why isn't anyone ever just whelmed? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Everyone Loves Young Justice podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Jay. And welcome to episode one of the show. Happy New Year 2019. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman, who is celebrating 80 years. Another Robin that's a part of this show is celebrating 30 years. So we got two big milestones this year. Uh, you can find us across all the social media outlets. We are on Twitter at ELYJ Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash ELYJ Pod. You can email into the show at ELYJPodcast at yahoo.com. And if you listen on iTunes, leave us a nice little review. Maybe a kick that uh, five star review if you're digging the show. That'll help spread the word as we're getting the show off the ground and we'll read your emails and iTunes reviews on the show. So that's where you can find us on social media. And uh, this is going to kind of be the introductory episode of why the show is here, uh, why the name exists. And uh, kind of what drew us uh, to Young Justice. So as far as the show goes, I think every podcaster has, you know, two or three or 9,000 shows in them that they would like to do. And as I was kind of approaching the fourth year of Everyone Loves the Drake, 
I had this idea of, you know, it would be really kind of cool to do another show now that I've got one podcast under my belt and trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about. And for as million podcasts as there are about Batman, I still, it still baffled me that there was no Robin podcast out there. So initially I thought, you know what? I think I will just pick another Robin and they'll, we'll do a Jason Todd podcast. Mm-hmm. Terrence had been talking about doing a Jason Todd podcast. So I thought, well, if everyone loves the Drake, then the opposite of that would be everyone hates the Wayne. So I thought about <laughs> doing a, D- a Damian Wayne podcast, and that was going to be a cheesy name. I had uh, people giving me names like uh, Son of the Demon, and it would be abbreviated SOB. And I thought, well, that, that's, I don't know if I want the podcast associated <laughs> with that. That doesn't sound right. So it was just kind of in the back of my mind for a while, like, well, I'd like to do a Robin show. I'd like to do a different type of Robin show. But how how was it going to be different than something I was already currently doing where somebody's like, oh, this is Robin 2.0? And uh, friends of the show have been kind of talking back and forth about a possible idea of another show. And I heard Shag on Batgirl to Oracle talk about how much he loved Young Justice and how much he loved the Tim Drake character. And Stella had not read much Young Justice. And he's like, everybody loves Young Justice. He's like, that comic book epitomizes of what fun and comics are. And that's kind of what sparked the idea for the show. And I didn't know entirely if I wanted to call it Everyone Loves. I thought, well, this is kind of my cast. It's your brand. It's my, yeah, it's my brand. That's, that's actually what I was kind of thinking of. I kind of threw out thinking about doing a Young Justice podcast, just between some friends and other podcasters. And everyone was saying, oh, I love Young Justice. I love Young Justice. And I was like, I think that needs to be the name. And it's kind of an offshoot of the Drake, but this podcast is going to go in some crazy places comic-wise. And Young Justice not only encompasses the 1998, soon-to-be-released 2019 book, but there is a cartoon series that's coming in January. The Young Justice cartoon show is going to be back that it's loosely based off of this property. There are video games. There are comic book series that are part of the Young Justice cartoon series out there. So there's a wide range for us to talk about. Not only that, there's just the individual characters, of course, of Tim Drake, where I like to hang my hat on, but there's Impulse, Superboy, Wonder Girl, The Ray. I mean, we can. there's as many Young Justice members as almost there are JLA members. So, Slobo. Slowpoke. I mean, talk about Slowpoke. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, I I'm kind of wanting to hear from you, Jay. What when I had put the tweet up there about that? Hey, I'm going to be doing this show. You were like the second person that had liked and then sent me a message that was like, Hey, if you need any help in any capacity, I would like to do so. And I had was thinking, well, maybe I'll do this as a solo show, but it would be really cool to get somebody just so I could have banter back and forth with and somebody that liked the property maybe as much as I did or was wanting to get into the property. So what kind of led you to reply to me? And then where's your familiarity with uh, the Young Justice uh, comic book series? Uh, No, I mean, uh, like you said, I love Young Justice. I love the Young Justice comic book when it came out uh, and even going into, you know, the TV show. I really enjoyed that. And I'm looking forward to season three on the DC Universe. It came out at a time when I was 
really heavily into comics and uh it was effectively my first go around of being super into comics uh i i think like a lot of people it kind of tapered off not because i started disliking comics at any point but just you know life happens <laughs> and you know you just uh yeah. <clears throat> other priorities uh around the time that young justice launched i was reading pretty much anything i could get my hands on that had tim drake uh, i love tim drake robin his series in Nightwing and then Young Justice were like three books that I uh, kept up with for several years. Over time, kind of you know, fell on the wayside, like I said, right. but um, have you know since come to you know come into comics a lot over the past <laughs> couple of years with my uh, various ventures with uh, writing reviews for for like Batman News and me and Brian launching uh, our own show, Comics Now, yes. and um, yeah, just uh, listening to. Holy Batcast is how I kind of got into any sort of podcast and then found your show through there. And then you and I had kind of interacted a little bit over the past, uh, you know, a year, a couple of years or so just on Twitter and Facebook across various groups. And when you said that you were launching a, a Young Justice show, I, I was more thinking like, hey, if you need like guest spots, you know, someone to, you know, pinch hit or, you know, fill in or whatever, <laughs> then uh, then I'd gladly do it. Oh no! Yeah, you were saying that you you know like me to a co-host. So uh, I'm uh, greatly honored, and I'm really looking forward to uh, getting the show off the ground and uh, talking about the boys here. And I think that you said talking about the boys here. The there at the time that you're hearing this, there's no theme song pick. There's no nothing. But the song that keeps going in my head is Thin Lizzy's The Boys Are Back in Town. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be what, how that's going to fit in, if it's just going to be some random piece of music that pops in. But that's, that was the thing that I kept thinking, you're looking at 2019, of when uh, the Flash War was ending and Impulse made that splash page where I was like, oh, holy crap, they just brought Impulse in. Out of the blue, one of the final pages of that book. And... In the lonely place of living, they were talking about Connor Kent. Mm-hmm. Thought, man, that would be so cool to get the boys or get the band back together again somehow. You know, Tim yeah, goes off at the end of that story with spoiler, and I'm like, he's on the road to find Connor Kent, and not knowing at that time the impulse was going to show up. We even interviewed James on our show, and he said he can't wait for what is you know to lie ahead for Tim that he's going to gets to read Tim as a fan again and had no idea that months later that this was going to fall in our lap. So, yes, this show is going to be talking about the 98 Young Justice book, but we're also going to be looking at the 2019 book with Brian Michael Bendis and Pat Gleason doing that book. So that was the next question I had for you is if you go online, you type in Brian Michael Bendis, no matter what he's written, there are people that absolutely love the stuff that he's written. And then there's people on the other side of the fence that say everything that he touches turns to crap. So I'm like, wow, I guess I I haven't read a Marvel comic book since 1984. <laughs> and that's not <laughs> that's not saying that I don't like Marvel. I've seen every one of the MC, you know, you movies. Uh, my favorite Marvel character is Iceman. And that goes clear back to Spider-Man and his amazing friends nice. and was disappointed I always get the Starfire, Firestar mixed up. But <laughs> she wasn't a real character. Bummed me out, you know, at the time. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, seeing the, it, what he was writing for Marvel during his time, I was hearing some good praise about it. But on the other hand, I hear people going, oh, you know, I don't know. Some people are really digging his Superman right now. 
But again, on the other side, some people are very unhappy with this Superman. So where do you kind of fall in line with Brian Michael Bendis? Are you apprehensive or are you kind of very hopeful with it? Or is it a wait and see? <laughs> uh, uh, hopeful slash wait and see. I, I think I read a little more Marvel than you do. But even then, that's only been... Uh, maybe books here and there over the years and uh, started reading more uh, uh, this year just to kind of diversify my my palate, let's say. Um, But I haven't read to my my shame, but also just to admit it, a lot, if any, I guess, of his uh, Marvel stuff. Uh, like a lot of the Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, mm-hmm. I've been I, I've been really into Daredevil lately. All of a sudden, thanks to uh, our good friend uh, Justin Kowalski. And, oh yeah, he sings and, the praises for that book, man. Yeah, and I've I've not read any of Bendis's run on there, which I've heard is phenomenal. So, really, unless I just read something, a few things here and there over the years, either without recognizing it or or remembering it. His uh, Man of Steel miniseries was was the first thing I'd read from Bendis. I went yeah. into it knowing how he had kind of a hot and cold reputation, uh, but I went in with an open mind, and it, it was it was fine. It was uh, my thing with uh, his Superman stuff so far is that it's good and it's good Superman. It's just not any better than the great Superman stuff we'd been getting before, like just before right. with, you know, Dan Jurgens on action comics and Tomasi and Gleason on Superman. Um, fantastic run, by the way. Oh yes, absolutely. And, uh, Tomasi just started on uh, detective comics, which have you gotten a chance to read that yet? I, I just read it yesterday. Oh, such a good issue. So I'm really good, looking so forward good. to it. Yeah, uh, I know. But anyway, 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 back to that question. <laughs> So, I mean, I've been enjoying his Superman. Uh, Man of Steel was 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 good. It was it was a, a decent story. I've been liking action comics more than I've been liking Superman. Not that I really dislike Superman. It's just I'm I, I feel like he maybe get isn't the right word, but his voice for like the. Uh, the supporting cast on action comics is really, really strong. Like with Perry White, Lois Lane, oh, yeah. Jimmy Olsen, the the entire newsroom at the Daily Planet. I I like devour those scenes because I think he writes those perfectly, and I'm a little more invested in the mystery that's going on there than just the stuff with Rogel Czar and everything and Superman, which is which is still cool, but it's kind of a basic Superman comic there. I'm enjoying what I'm reading. Uh, I've picked up a couple of the other books that he has been writing. Like I read the first issue of Cover, which I haven't read it since then. It was good writing. And the thing I liked about it was it didn't feel like the same writer, but not necessarily in a bad way. It felt like, you know, he knew how to write Superman for his Superman voice, but then he knew how to write this original property for that voice as well. So, so I liked how he uh, can diversify himself there. When they announced Young Justice coming back, I was like, you know what? Sign me up. Bendis is mm-hmm. writing it. Okay. Uh, you know, that's awesome. I know that uh, he did. Uh, he created Miles Morales. Uh, that's Spider-Man. Right. And that's supposedly a phenomenal run with Miles there. Uh, so I was like, you know, he can if he can handle, uh, you know, the teen characters, then great. And then when they announced Patrick Gleason was going to draw, I was illustrated. I was completely sold because I love oh, Gleason. Yeah. That that was one of the big things for the Superman book, which you know Gleason got to stay on for Superman. But we were mentioned Tomasi. He, the, he and uh, Tomasi's run on Batman and Robin was 
just absolutely amazing. It was beautiful, so it was great. Like we said, that Tomasi's writing a Batman book again. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I re- would really love to see him draw a, a Tim Drake, a Superboy, something like that. Just being the Drake fan, uh, I've got a page from uh, Superman Reborn 17 with... Tim Drake in the cell, pounding his fist. You know the scene where he says somebody got out, and it's yeah, got yeah, Doomsday he's a taunting Oz. Yeah, yeah, he's taunting Oz right there. So I've got that drawn by Pat Gleason, and I'm like, oh great, that might be the only Tim Drake that I'm ever going to get from Pat Gleason again. And and here this you know announcement comes from New York Comic Con, which I was only half paying attention to. I thought oh, I'll scroll through, and like the Young Justice stuff was was going through the feed. So I want to talk about. The 2019 version of Young Justice, just before we uh, get into our main topic today, and it's going to be very reminiscent of what we're talking about. How cool is it to see Connor Kent, not only back, but in his classic 90s costume, leather jacket, shaved side of the head, the red pants, the boots, Impulse in his classic costume, which I think it looks a little more orange. Uh, Tim's costume is a little updated, but for me, the biggest standout was seeing Connor in his classic costume. And uh, I read about it first before I saw the image, so I was already expecting, is it going to be kind of like the Con L from the New 52? Is it going to be that type of suit? Mm-hmm. Is it black shirt, jeans, Connor? And seeing this version, I'm like, I'm already in love with what's going on. Yes. What was your thoughts of seeing uh, the first three uh, characters? I mean, uh, like you, I was just so excited. And I know that uh, Young Justice isn't just the boys. Uh, you know, right. we've got Cass, and she's an integral part of the team. And uh, I'm excited with some of these new characters, too. Uh, uh, well, I don't. She's not new. Uh, isn't Amethyst? Isn't she one of them? Uh, Amethyst the is going to be in there. Yeah, which I've never read anything with her, but I, I understand she has a great following and is a cool character. So I'm excited yeah. about that. But a uh, Teen Lantern, which is, <laughs> amazes me that nobody nobody's ever done that yet. Yeah, in, uh, in the history and, of the character, there's never been a Teen Lantern. It, it, yeah, it's like it's right there, guys. It makes perfect sense. Um, right. And then uh, Ginny Hex, who was uh, just introduced in uh, the. Um, this is the Batman uh, uh, Walmart? Yeah, the, yeah. the Walmart, and uh, she she uh, seems like a really cool character too. But at its core, even for the first several issues of Young Justice, it was just Tim Drake, Connor Kent, and Bart Allen, and I mean they they make up one of the best friendships in comics. So I was excited just to see all three of them back on a book. Tim coming back from a little bit of a limbo, uh, Impulse coming back from not being used at all, frankly, right. since the New 52 and Rebirth even launched. And then Connor uh, had a little bit more of a presence, but even then that could be debatable. But right. seeing them all back was great enough. But seeing these updated yet still classic-looking outfits just, just <laughs> made me absolutely giddy. Oh, yeah. My, my phrase would be giddy as a schoolgirl. I like that Tim's, <laughs> Tim's pants are black with the green highlights. But the coolest thing is that Tim's scalloped cape is back that he had in the one year later costume instead of just the straight bottom line. He's got those Batman scallops going on. Uh, Superboy's costume looks cool. And I like the extra added white that goes around Impulse's uh, feet that it normally was like a solid red boot. At first I was like, I wish his costume was bright red. Mm -hmm. But I like the way it kind of fades from a lighter 
orange tone and gets darker the farther that it goes down. So I don't know if that's just in the first initial drawing, if it's all orange, but I'm liking what I'm seeing. As much as I like those, I like the character designs of Teen Lantern, uh, Genie, and Amethyst. And surprisingly, I think Wonder Girl's getting the biggest flack from her costume. I, I dig the costume uh, quite a bit. I think the only thing that I don't know if it's too much on the nose are the headphones, but they don't they don't bother me like some places that I'm seeing people where they're really kind of up in arms about her costume. I think it's actually kind of cool. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now because I know I've seen uh, I, th- I, th- well, I think it was a Doc Shaner variant, which is another guy that could draw everything for all I care, oh, and yes, yes, and I would be fine with that. Um, I think he did the variant, and I, I didn't find anything wrong with it. It looks like a slightly less dated update, but then callback to her original Young Justice costume. Right. Which, <laughs> I mean, is endearingly terrible, I think is the best way <laughs> I can put it. The yeah. little biker shorts, and then the uh, the t-shirts, and then the jacket with the rolled up sleeves, and the, the huge wig and goggles. I mean, it's not a great look, but it's no. still... It's still an endearing look, I guess. Yeah, this looks like a more modern, more refined, more like something somebody would actually wear without being embarrassed, but still being reminiscent of the older costume. Yeah. I, I don't find anything wrong with it. Uh, frankly, I wasn't a big fan. Uh, I didn't read a lot of uh, the Teen Titans uh, from uh, the New 52. I wasn't a big fan of her costume there with like this. Uh, what was it like? It was a solid red or solid black. Yeah, solid red. With that and it had really weird gold gauntlet that covered like one of her arms. It was. It, I just wasn't a fan of it. So I mean, this this like you said, maybe a little on the nose, maybe a little too hip teen and everything. But if I'm gonna forgive, you know, the the patches and everything on Connor's updated look, I'm gonna. Yes. I, I can easily forgive this, but. Uh, I like it. And like, yeah, like you said, the uh, other character designs are a lot of fun. Uh, uh, Teen Lantern, you know, she looks she looks really cool. And uh, Jenny Hex looks uh, maybe a little little generic uh, kind of uh, gunslinger yeah. uh, look. Really, uh, we haven't seen much of her costume because most of these are just action poses. But no, I, mean, I like the look of it. It looks fun. It looks young. Doesn't look like a 50 year old man's idea of what teenagers you know think is fun and fashionable it it looks like stuff that uh any you know normal teen or young adult would probably wear yeah as you were talking about the new 52 i sadly read every single issue of teen titans (laughs) new 52 bless you because i was one i know i know (laughs) (laughs) gotta take it where you can get it (laughs) yeah that was like that's the only way i'm reading tim drake but this tim drake's been lobotomized it's not the tim drake that i know so suffered through when tim drake appeared in other books written by like scott snyder or tomasi i'm like okay that kind of sounds like tim drake but so we're just gonna leave that behind there's yeah, a yeah, name it's, it's okay. that i i won't say anymore because i put that in a curse word jar um <laughs> <laughs> sl <laughs> so uh this is the first episode of the show like i say on the drake podcast a little peek behind the curtain jay and i were uh, very diligent and recorded a bunch of stuff thinking that that was going to be uh, we were going to start talking about the 1998 young justice peter david run 
because we thought we were not going to have the opportunity with the new year and Christmas to be able to talk about the comic book that just arrived this Wednesday. So what is it like to be holding a book with those characters plus so much more kind of your uh, first initial thoughts? And I wanted to ask you, were you like me and did you buy every single cover and have to sell half of your Christmas presents <laughs> back? No, I'm actually um, uh, more of a digital guy. Ah. So technically, I got all of the covers. <laughs> uh, but no, Don't tell um, my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, um, I mean, it, it was great. I was really excited with the announcement of Wonder Comics because not just Young Justice, but some of the other books that they have coming out for that line sound really fun, like the Dial H for Hero and uh, the Wonder Twins. Believe it or not, that actually sounds like it'll be uh, yeah. uh, plenty good. And Na- Naomi, that that one, um, uh, they just released a synopsis for, and it sounds pretty interesting too. But I mean, far and away, I think the one that caught everyone's attention was Young Justice, and not just that it was Young Justice, but it was the Young Justice that we're familiar with and have been wanting to see, uh, particularly with Tim Connor and Bart back in their. Uh, relatively classic looking costumes yeah. with uh, that first teaser image, uh, the energy and youthfulness that you would want mm. from this book. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot we want to get into, and uh, you heard us the beginning intro that we recorded in December, so we'll kind of just get right into the book, and I kind of want to go through the covers really quick since we're looking uh, at them digital. Uh, something that we've been talking about on Twitter and on Facebook, this was actually the solicit. If you have the main cover, and it's really kind of cool to see the uh, Wonder Comics logo. I don't know if the banner is going to appear on the top of all of them, uh, but the W with the star is really kind of cool at first i was looking at it going what is what is that i couldn't tell if it was like oh is that just for wonder girl and i was like duh rob it's wonder comics <laughs> uh, but this was actually the solicited cover for issue three so about a month ago i think right around thanksgiving they decided rather than to have the three that you just mentioned superboy robin and impulse be the front cover they wanted to kind of have a really celebratory cover and at first, I was kind of bummed by it just because seeing those three, that was the hook to get me there. But now having read it and getting to see, you know, uh, Jenny Hicks and uh, Teen Lantern and Wonder Girl and Amethyst and the whole team, this deserves to be the front cover. So were you disappointed that number one cover is now three and three is now one? Honestly, no, because even without. Uh, you know, the hindsight now of having read the issue, knowing right. that this was a perfect cover. I thought that this was, I mean, this is this is a great cover no matter what. Just uh, really captures the spirit of the book. And uh, even though Superboy, Robin, and Impulse were the, you know, original three members and uh, kind of the core founding members of the team, the, the fact that, you know, Cassie has been identified with Young Justice so much over the years as well is like she it's she may as well have been a founding member because right. she joined the team so early. And then Amethyst has, you know, her own following as well, built in fan base. And then the new characters of Ginny Hex and uh, Teen Lantern, you know, why, why not just go ahead and capitalize and say, this is the team and here's who you're going to see. And I mean, in the book. We're not just, you know, given a reunion of Connor, Tim, and Bart. Everybody is in this issue, so they might as well all grace the cover. 
Right, definitely. As we're getting ready to talk, I'm scrolling through the covers. Now, i got to say, I have the number two color, color uh, the number two cover, that I guess DC is calling it, the number two number one, <laughs> is yeah. the Amethyst cover. And i got to say right off the bat, I've never read anything of Amethyst, so this was a character I was really kind of surprised they decided to add to the team, but was one I was really kind of intrigued. Uh, Terrence on the Drake talks very highly of uh, the new 52 Amethyst comic book. It said, you know, that was very short-lived, but it was a really good comic, so it's been making me want to go read more about her. So did you have any experience with her prior to this? I'm coming in as a clean slate on this character and one that I'm really intrigued by. Yeah, I mean, I know of the character, and I've heard great things about that New 52 run especially. I think it was like a, a sleeper book. Very yeah. Didn't move many units. Not a lot of people read it, but anyone that did, I've heard, has really, really enjoyed it. So yeah, it definitely makes me want to at least go check it out and, and read up a little bit more on her. And it's just a really cool cover uh, just by itself. Yeah. The next cover in the slot is the Impulse cover. And I like, by the way, how each of these covers are done by a different artist. And I don't have uh, the information right here at the time we're recording this. I will slip I'm trying this to find in. it. Uh, just a really cool shot. This is the probably more photorealistic of the covers. This this is really cool with the uh, perspective of him coming right towards the camera with the lightning. Uh, looks like he's just running down, you know. New York Street or something like that, uh, Gotham City or wherever they're possibly at. Very, very cool cover. What do you think about this one? Uh, I really like it. Uh, I did find the artist is Derek Chu. Okay. Um, I really like it. Really high energy, very impulse, just zipping by and a lot of momentum in the in the image. You know, it just really captures his youthful and energetic and appropriately enough, his impulsive spirit. Right. And for the record, the first uh, cover, the Amethyst cover, was by Amy Reader. Uh, see, I I thought I recognized the art, but uh, I wasn't entirely sure, so I didn't want to speak uh, out of turn. Well, the next one... Oh, and, uh, and of course, the main cover is uh, Patrick Gleason, who uh, provided the interiors, too. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. The next uh, one is the Robin covers, what they're calling it. Now, I'm kind of calling shenanigans on this one. Uh, this does feature a really cool image of Tim Drake Robin, and it has Teen Lantern behind him. And also behind him is Wonder Girl, which in a couple covers, that's going to seem really odd. I do like this. I kind of wish each of them had their own cover and they do with the exception of teen lantern and robin sharing this cover with wonder girl now robin is the more focal point of this one i dig it i don't know if i'm totally crazy on his pose but it's very energetic teen lantern looks great this is the best image we will see of her in this book but this is a, a very cool cover if i was only going to get one cover this was the one i was going to get because it's the primary robin cover what do you sure. think about this one yeah it's good it's from a uh, yasmin uh putri uh, you know, like you, I, I like it. I don't love it. Uh, mm -hmm. Even if it was just Robin on the cover, I'm not sure if the pose he's in is necessarily dynamic or iconic enough. I'd like to see maybe the R and, you know, the little, uh, uh, yeah. whatever they would be, the, you know, the stitching that he has at the collar, uh, you yep. know, the classic Robin um, loop stitching or whatever it is maybe get a little more of his costume but besides that though i mean it is cool it is uh, you know a really interesting image i like how his cape kind of 
kind of has like an ombre effect into the uh, Teen Lantern's uh, green energy. Yeah, it's coming in there. Uh, you know, some cool some cool tricks with the uh, coloring on here. Wonder Girl does seem a little out of place, and her it, just the blocking for all three of them is a little a little strange. It's almost like. They had three different ideas for a cover, and then they're <laughs> yeah. like, eh, let's just use all three of them because they all look good. And it works. It's just I don't know if it works as well as it could have. Now, this next cover was the first variant cover that we saw for this, and I saw it as a sketch form. And I believe – if I'm correct in saying this is Phil Jimenez's cover? Uh, Jorge Jimenez. Jorge See, I knew I was going to get it wrong. Um, <laughs> but I saw it in pencil form, and I thought that was a great-looking cover. It really covers, or captures the energy and the kind of attitude that Connor Kent was kind of known for uh, in the 90s. So this was kind of the first full look, um, other than the you know splash image that was going to be uh, the number one cover. This is a, almost a full body shot of his uh, costume. And uh, this is a meme that I think you see all the time everywhere. So that's a nice little homage to that meme that they use. You know, somebody walking down the street with like the Marvel face and a DC face on it. Yeah, uh, yeah. The guy or the girl turning around, which I thought was pretty cool. What do you think of this one? Uh, Jorge Jimenez can frankly draw pretty much anything, and I oh, will probably yeah. love it. Uh, I love the guy's style. I loved him on like the Super Sons title. I've been loving him on Justice League, uh, any variants. Uh, he had one of the bar none best covers for Action Comics 1000, which already had some just absolutely incredible variant covers. So mm-hmm. pretty much anything Jorge does, I'm going to be a fan of. And yeah, like you said, this is just, just fun, really captures the spirit of Connor, especially teen boy with a bit of a libido. Um, <laughs> but also a lot of youth culture is around memes and internet jokes and things like that. So it's a nice way to kind of capture the youthful energy of, you know, modern teenagers, as well as capturing Connor Kent's attitude and uh, uh, his his way with the ladies, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. The next cover is the Wonder Girl cover, and as whelmed, using a Young Justice term <laughs> from Robin, from the Robin character, this is the next one. I'm like, it's good. There's nothing bad to it. It does show a little bit of energy of Wonder Girl, but I was kind of like, eh, it's, it's good. I did pick it up because I'm, I'm that guy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wasn't jumping up and down about this one. It's, it, it's fine for what it is, but it's it's not really sparking a lot of momentum to me. Yeah, I mean, it's Doc Shaner, who is also another artist that could draw anything, and I would, I would probably at least get interest. And it has probably, I, I don't want to say the least personality, because I love, I love Cassie's face here with the headphones yes. and her eyes closed. And kind of, you know, just biting her lower lip like she's really into this song and just just totally having a blast listening to her music. I mean, it's a great picture uh, yes. as a cover. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know, necessarily think that it's, you know, something that, you know, if I didn't know anything about Young Justice, I would look at this and want to pick it up off the stands. But as just an image, uh, just as everything that Shaner is doing with the uh, acting and the body language and uh, her face and then the simple colors and his really simple clean lines. It is a good image. 
One thing I think I even uh, – tw- uh, he posted this a few weeks ago on Twitter and I re- uh, kind of tweeted at him about was I love just the little detail of the zipper pull being up at the bottom yeah. of her uh, jacket. So, it, I mean, it's nice little details like this that, that make me enjoy it at least. Yeah, and I, and don't take offense to us if you're listening, sir. I think as, if this was the opening – uh, splash page on the book, I'd be like, cool, look, there's Wonder Girl. But like you said, being a cover, I don't know. I'm always saying, that, oh, this should be a poster I want to hang on my wall. It's cool, but I don't think it's not, like you said, if it was on the rack and this was the issue number one cover, I would have to kind of stare at it. Is this a Wonder Girl comic? Is yeah, it, like, you know, the, the, like the Superboy cover, the Impulse cover, even the uh, Yasmin Putri cover with Wonder Girl, Robin, and Teen Lantern. Yeah. They look like covers. Like, Yeah, you, you hit it on, on the head. This looks like a splash page. This was the introduction to Cassie. It might be kind of like a, a breathtaking, like, oh my gosh, that's an amazing intro right. to her. But, you know, it doesn't, it's maybe not the best of the covers, but it's still a great image just by itself. Uh, the final cover, if there wasn't enough covers, this is just the black and white version of the main cover by Pat Gleason. And I'm a, a Pat, he's, Pat Gleason uh, <laughs> fan. I was able to meet him a few years back at uh, Wizard World in uh, Cleveland, or excuse me, in Columbus. Super nice guy. I've uh, been a big fan of his since his Green Lantern days, Aquaman. His Batman and Robin run just completely won me over. I've always been a big fan of his when he was doing the Robin covers. So yeah. getting to see him finally draw Tim Drake again and then all of these characters was so cool. So uh, if you wanted just a different variant uh, from the main, this is a, another really cool one. If you kind of reminds me of the like color it yourself covers yeah. that they were doing a while back. Yeah, the uh, adult coloring book yes. kind of covers. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it just shows how good Gleason's lines are by themselves. Oh, uh, yeah. Because a lot of times, you know, you see like a, a final finished image and the colors and the inks kind of, uh, I mean, for lack of a better term, maybe redeem an image because they can cover over a lot of sins. But no, this is a, just a very nice, very well put together uh, cover. It's almost like what the Wonder Girl, Teen Lantern, and Robin uh, cover is trying to do with the blocking yeah. and placement of the characters, but it just works a, a little bit better for me. And uh, some of you might know this and some of you might not. Pat Gleason is known for putting his Pat skull somewhere in all of his artwork. He's done it since day one. In the black and white photo, I think it sticks out a little bit more. His PAT skull is right in the center of Robin's uh, belt buckle. Sometimes they're really tricky to see. Some are very blatant. Uh, some are in like clouds that he disguises very well. So I don't know if you were aware of that, uh, Jay, but for those people, take a look at your cover. Right in the belt buckle is the Pat Gleason skull. Uh, yeah, I did notice that on there. I was actually looking at the original uh, number one cover, which is the three boys. And I think on that one, it's on uh, Superboy's boot. Yes. Yep. We've talked about the covers. That's it for the show. Thanks for listening. And then uh, we'll get. <laughs> we love Young Justice. Covers. That's right. <laughs> covers. That's it. That's the show. We buried the lead on it. Oh, sorry. We were talking about. 
all this Young Justice stuff, it's just the covers. So if there's only one cover a month, it's going to be a very short show. No, <laughs> we're going to get into the book. Well, we're going to take a short little break. We're going to play a couple promos of some other shows you ought to check out. And then when we come back, we will hear the synopsis and uh, the writing credits like we like to do on the show. And then we will discuss Young Justice issue number one, 2019. We'll be back in just a second. Don't go anywhere. everybody, this is Drew from Cadmus to Crisis, a Superboy podcast. We're new here on the Superman Podcast Network, and we're following the adventures of Superboy in his 1990s comic book and a lot of his crossovers. So if you want to hear more about Superboy and, you know, cool shades, leather jackets, uh, Hawaii, I think he fights Sidearm, uh, he fights uh, Captain Boomerang, and no way he works with Captain Boomerang. Anyway, we're available on iTunes and, you know, everywhere else you can get a podcast. So come check us out. All right, let's take a look at the credits for Young Justice number 1, 2019. And there are quite a few credits with this being a number one issue. So bear with me as I go through all of them. Uh, Young Justice number 1 is written by Brian Michael Bendis. Art and cover by Patrick Gleason. Variant cover by Patrick Gleason. Amethyst variant cover by Amy Reader. Impulse variant cover by Derek Chu. Robin variant cover by Yasmin Paterdi, if I'm saying that correct. Superboy variant cover by Jorge Jimenez. Wonder Girl variant cover by Evan Doc Shaner. There's also a blank variant <laughs> cover available. Brian Michael Bendis script. Patrick Gleason art. Alejandro Sanchez Colors, DC Lettering, Letters, Jessica Chen, Associate Editor, Mike Cotton, and, and Angie Kohari, Editors, Brian Cunningham, and Mark Doyle Group, Editors. The on-sale date for this is Wednesday, January 9th, 2019. And now, Seven Crisis. On a far-off distant world called Gem World, a hooded figure walks into the throne room and states they may have figured out what has been happening to them. Earth is this individual's birthplace, and that Gem World and Earth are connected, and asks Lord Opal if he remembers Earth's crises. Seven of them, to be exact. Every time a crisis is happening on Earth, everything that touches it seems to affect Gem's world. Seven times this has happened, and unknowingly, this entire time, Gem World is being punished alongside of Earth with each crisis. Earth is the key to stop the catastrophic things from happening to Gem World. Back on Earth, it's another day in the city of Metropolis. Superman streaks across the sky while young Jenny Hex, the great-great-great-granddaughter of the Western hero Jonah Hex, is making her way to Metropolis when she bears out of traffic to avoid an accident. Then she is stopped by a local Metropolis police officer asking for her license and registration. Before they can say much, a purple portal opens up above the city of Metropolis and bright purple energy blast begins to rain down on the city, unleashing creatures and soldiers from a different world, the 12 kingdoms of Gemworld, and they have come to Earth looking for their champion, the one they call Superman. Surely Superman can hear what's going on as the Metropolis citizens begin to yell for the main of tomorrow. One by one, the beings are shooting blasts of energy at the Metropolis Police Department and the citizens of Metropolis. 
turning them into brightly colored gems, freezing them in their tracks. Jenny Hex wastes no time and reaches into the back of the pickup truck and pulls out one of Jonah Hex's shotguns and begins to fire towards the sky. At that moment, a very familiar figure drops down on the roof of Jenny Hex's car. It's Robin. Well, one of them, that is. Tim Drake wastes no time and jumps right into action, attacking the strange creatures from another world, while Jenny tries to mount a ground assault with the Metropolis Police Department to get the citizens of Metropolis to safety. The moments before this event happened, Tim Drake was making his way into Metropolis also when he sees a familiar face on the street. It's Cassie Sandsmark. Cassie tells Tim that she knows she's not what she's doing, but knows that staying in Metropolis under Superman's watch is a little bit more relaxing from what she was used to, and she's not sure if she's in the superhero game. At that moment, the explosion happens, and we're taken right back to the adventure. Tim Drake quickly changes into Robin and leaps into action, leaving Cassie alone. Back in the fight, Robin makes quick work of these beings, but there are just too many of them, and Robin seems outnumbered. Across the city, Bart Allen, or as we like to call him, Impulse, is racing across the Metropolis Park District, gaining speed towards the action, saving grandmothers on scooters, cats from trees, in the playground, anybody he can get a hold of, including children at play, taking them to safety. He quickly joins Robin and Jenny Hex in the fight. The soldiers from Gemworld realize that Earth has no idea who they are or what they have been doing to Gemworld. One of them turns to Hubris and says, where is Superman? Robin and Jenny try to regroup and take on the assault with just the two of them. Robin tells Jenny if she happens to have anything non-lethal in her arsenal. She goes back to the pickup truck to pick a different type of weapon. When she does so, Hubris grabs Robin around the throat and lifts him off the ground and says, bring me your real champion. At that instant, Cassie can no longer stand at the side. Robin says, well, you asked for it. Wonder Girl is back. At that moment, Wonder Girl slams into Hubris, freeing Robin, but in the commotion, one of Gems World's soldiers gets a drop on Wonder Girl and knocks her from the sky. Wonder Girl begins to fall, then suddenly, a large, bright green baseball glove catches Wonder Girl. A green lantern? Well, kinda, sorta, a teen lantern, she says, and she realizes this is nuts, but she's here now. Wonder Girl, Robin, Jenny Hex, Teen Lantern, and now with Kid Flash as he replies, Young Justice is back. Before any of them can agree to this team, there is a crack, boom, and a deafening explosion of purple light, and then darkness. Robin rises to his feet in a place he does not recognize. It's dark and he can barely see, and suddenly a purple glow from his sword a few inches from his neck can be seen. Robin states, Can I help you? to the figure with the sword. The figure says, that's one question. I have quite a few more, like what are you doing in the house of Amethyst? In a completely different part of this world, Impulse races to his feet, turns around and comes face to face with Connor Kent, Superboy. Connor looks at Bart and says, what are you doing here? Impulse quickly replies, that's a very good question. I promise I will answer that soon. But tell me, how did you grow a beard? Next, Wonder Girl's Secret. All right, that was the synopsis of the issue and the credits and uh, a few promos there, something we're going to be doing on this show. So let's get into the interior of this book. If you've got got it, read along with us. Starting out in the very opening page of this, I was quickly going, where in the world? A is Carmen Sandiego, and where are we? Which is coming Uh, soon to Netflix, by the way. 
yeah, I'm I'm curious <laughs> about that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Are we assuming this is Gem World? I thought the assumption, at least, was this was supposed to be uh, it was supposed to be Gem World, which has been ravaged. This mysterious figure on page two. This is Gem World Courts. Please hear me. I, I was about to say, I'm pretty sure they call him by name uh, as Lord Opal, which uh, okay. I don't know if you've watched or read any of the DC Superhero Girl stuff, which is no really fun and really, really solid entertainment. But there was a movie with a lot of Gemworld characters, and a Lord uh, Opal was in one of them. So okay. uh, he looked at least familiar, so I'm pretty sure that's who it's supposed to be. So getting from there into our next few pages... The character I thought we were going to be introduced first, other than I, th- I thought the, we were going to have like a cold opening. I was kind of thinking that, you know, Bendis kind of likes to do some of that, that I thought, all right, we're probably going to start with the main principal character. It's going to be, I knew probably we weren't going to get Superboy right off the bat. If it was, it was going to be a quick shot in and out and done. So my money was on Tim Drake. And that's not how this starts. And after having read it, this is the perfect way to start this book. And I'm already in love with this character, Jenny Hex. What a great character. And the opening of this, I thought, couldn't be, if I'm going to use the word cute, it's fun, it's energetic, and she's got some spunk attitude don't look under the tarp look under the tarp you know that that whole thing the license registration from the cop i think this is a fantastic way to open the book and then with kind of what transpires like we heard in the synopsis the uh, explosion and the wave that's kind of coming from the sky uh, she quickly turns in to the hero that i think we know she's gonna be and uh, kind of saves the cop. So what did you think about the opening uh, sequence here? With, yeah, uh, I mean, Ginny Hex, uh, I did read that uh, Batman giant issue that actually introduced her. Same here. Uh, I haven't read any of them since then, so I don't know if she's uh, been a recurring character in that or if she uh, was just in that, that one issue, that one story, just introduce her. But even then, there wasn't an awful lot you could gather about her personality or uh, mm-hmm. who she was. So this serves as just a great, true introduction to the character. And, I mean, she is, I, like you, I, I love this character already. She's charming. She's a lot of fun, has a great, just really youthful attitude. And a little bit of uh, spunk and sass, like you were saying, with uh, the cop. Not to the point of necessarily being disrespectful, but mm-hmm. still being maybe trying to play a few steps ahead of him. And when that doesn't work, she tries to play another few steps ahead of him in a different mm-hmm. direction. Just really loved the writing for her. I-, I mean, I'm curious to see why she's here as much as she even is, because she's not entirely <laughs> yeah. sure why she's coming here. Curious to see what her backstory is and uh, what role she can play. Already, I feel like she's going to be a huge, incredibly popular character, and with good reason. Oh, yeah. So the sky ends up opening up villains that I'm assuming they are probably from Gem World here, but these creatures that are in the purple and blue and red, if you're looking at them, and more the uh, red and orange are looking for Superman, which I thought was very uh, interesting that that's who they're, who they're looking for. I would have kind of thought it would have been maybe Superboy, that we are in Metropolis here. But uh, it says the 12 kingdoms of Gem World, Gem World would have 
with the world with your champion, which the champion being Superman. So that is who they're after, and uh, uh, who ends up coming into the rescue, into the fray, into Metropolis, none other than Robin. And well, this one of them, one of them. Yes, this was <laughs> to get on a little tangent here. This was. The single panel that, obviously, being a Tim Drake fan, it was a, a big deal for me to see Tim in this book again, or in a book again, in a monthly book, to be wearing a Robin costume. Is this a step back for Tim? And there were some people that are like, no, Tim needs to be his own person, be his own thing. I've always came from a standpoint, I think Tim should have been the last Robin ever. Bring in Damian Wayne if you want to, Grant Morrison, but not take that mantle away. I hated the character of Damian Wayne for the longest time. (laughs) I think just being a stick in the mud. And it took me until the new 52 run to really kind of get into it. But then I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I, I, I can like Damian. I can... You know, get on board with it, but at the same time of liking Damien, the Tim Drake that we had was basically lobotomized. It wasn't the Tim Drake mm-hmm. we knew. It took James Tynion in Rebirth to kind of reset Tim. So people saying, "Oh, it's they're regressing Tim back to being Robin." Tim never stopped being Robin. He just became a red one. You can call him a green, a yellow, a blue, a black Robin. But that was something that he did not let Damien take away from him. He's like, fine, if you're going to be, quote unquote, the Robin, I'm just going to be this red Robin with this costume that was here. And we won't get into that whole history. But that Brian Michael Bendis has said this is Tim Drake is the best Robin. So I think having a Young Justice book and having a Robin be part of it, I think it makes sense for Tim to be the Robin in this book and to be. Robin. I mean, I don't think he needs to become something else. The only reason that, you know, Nightwing became Nightwing is because DC wanted to have their cake and eat it too. They aged up Dick Grayson just for the sake of aging him up to give us Jason Todd and, well, we want to have another Robin. So it was kind of like one of those things. But Tim embodied all the best qualities of Robin. I'm like pontificating like everyone on the Drake. But the line here that uh, Jeannie says, you're Robin, and he says one of them. And I've always maintained if we can have 500 Green Lanterns and two Flashes, well, I guess kind of two Flashes, and some other double characters we have, why can't we have two Robins, three Robins? Is this a problem, having multiple Robins? Do you think Tim should still be Red Robin? Should he be something else, or is this where Tim should be? No, I agree with almost everything you said there. Some of the things about Damien, uh, I, ca- I can uh, have a tangent as well, but uh, but no, <laughs> I completely agree. Tim is the best Robin. He, like you said, he embodies everything about Robin because he knows that Batman needs a Robin, and he wants to be that to Batman. And like you said, if there are multiple flashes and multiple Green Lanterns, which, frankly, Green Lantern is more of like a, a title uh, right. rather than a code name per se. But yes, to your point, they're all still technically Green Lanterns. I don't understand why they can't have two Robins, especially when I mean, 
with Damien, you're kind of supposed to hate him because he is a little turd. And (laughs) even with the new 52 Batman and Robin title where a lot – I mean a lot of his growth has come from, making him into a more likable, at least more human character. (laughs) Right. That uh, where that has come from, which is kind of funny about where I'm about to go with this. A lot of that has come from the fact that Damien was a good Robin for Dick Grayson's Batman. Right. Tim Drake is a good Robin for Bruce Wayne's Batman. So they can both be Robin and they can both be Robin themselves because even though Robin is a result of Batman. Tim Drake had a, what, however many, 150 some odd, you know, issue solo series for years and years and years that he carried by himself. And then a Red Robin title that he carried for, what, 25, 30 issues after that? Um, And then, I mean, even even then, he has led teams and been part of uh, the mythology. Young Justice. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. He, so... Robin as an identity is rooted in Batman, but can still take place apart from Batman. So I don't see any reason why Tim Drake can't be Robin because he is Robin. And Damian Wayne can't be Robin because he's also Robin. They just serve two different functions. Yeah. Very well said. This issue, I think, moves, I felt, kind of like at a breakneck speed. Once we get into this, aside from the uh, the jump we have is in a couple pages with uh, Wonder Girl. And at first I thought this was Connor with the unmasking. I see it says, you know, uh, Tim Drake. So both of these two characters are in Metropolis right now. We do get a quick glimpse of Superman uh, flying away just over Tim Drake and uh, Jenny Hex. Yeah, and I, I just caught this, but uh, that's per, that's the exact same moment as when uh, Jenny Hex was driving into the city, uh, where it mm-hmm. says Metropolis on uh, I think it was page three. Uh, you can see Superman flying there, and then yeah, you can see Superman flying in the background here. So that that, that was a nice little touch. Oh yeah, that's very cool. This was now some people have been asking um, three, two, one spoilers. If you don't want to know. If people have been wondering, did they DH Tim? Is this the real Tim Drake? You know, the last time we saw him, he was, you know, quote unquote, going off to college. He really wasn't. He and Stephanie Brown were going out on their own. I think this is still really too early to see where they're pulling that from. Is this, I think Brian Michael Bennett is being coy. He's like, we haven't seen the full extent of the roster yet of Young Justice, but this is the core part of the team. So we don't know where Tim is coming from, but it is really cool to see Cassie Sandmark again, uh, Sandsmark, excuse me. They're they're both asking each other, what are they doing uh, in Metropolis? So I like the little banner uh, back and forth between the two. And then, you know, disaster strikes in a very cool Batman moment. Tim Drake in like a blink of an eye is bam, Robin. You see the cape whip around and just the little slit of the eye. I thought that was a really cool beat. So what do you think about uh, these uh, series of panels uh, the, with the introduction of Wonder Girl? Uh, I really liked this more for Tim than anything because you you were right with a lot of the characterization of Tim, uh, especially over New 52, wasn't great. It took some steps forward, I felt, with Tynan's run, but even mm. on Detective, but even then, I felt like Tim was maybe a little too 
laconic, maybe a little too. Yeah. The, the, the thing that bugged me, I think the most was, I think it was in Batman and Robin eternal that when they introduced like the different Robins, they introduced him as a little cocky. And I was like, yeah. I've never felt Tim was like that, no. but I think Tynan did. And he kind of went with that. This Tim is not cocky. He's, he's confident, but he's not, you know, trying to be the smartest person around. He's trying to have a conversation with his friend and then, you know, bring his friend, you know, along with him to help. And then when he realizes that she's really not in a place that she can do that, he just lets her do what she needs to because, you know, he cares for her. He he loves her as a as a friend and understands that she'll she'll come out of whatever shell she's, you know, covered herself in, at least emotionally, when the time is needed. So I really liked this for how it made how it made Tim uh, a little bit friendlier of a character, a little more open, less of a uh, you called Damien a stick in the mud. I, I, uh, or maybe you were being a stick in the mud about, but Damien, I'm not sure which one it was supposed to be. <laughs> but I mean, that's how Tim felt a lot. Was yeah, uh, just the guy who you know, a guy who would um actually you if you you, you know were yes. slightly off about something. Right. This Tim doesn't feel like that. No, and I. That was something I kind of knew was there. I think that was coming more from James's reading. Like he had said he read Chuck Dixon's run, but I think he was really leaning on to kind of how Tim was in Jeff Johns's Mm -hmm. uh, run and in Young Justice proper at the time. But even then, I don't think Tim was quite working like that. So, yeah, there is a difference between the Tim Drake that is the smartest Robin in the room, but he's still more reserved and a little more bashful. He's more the type. It's like, well, excuse me, like one second. It's it's actually X Y Z. But if you'd like to do something else, he's more more pulling his punches with the smarts, unless he absolutely needs to use them. And speaking of pulling punches, on page uh, nineteen here, if I'm got my page numbers right, yeah. Uh, thanks DC for not putting page numbers on these. <laughs> um, <laughs> just the Again, like a Batman moment, you can kind of tell that things Tim is trained very well, and just the rapid fire punches and the knees and the kicks and the karate chops. Yeah, before they can even get, I think it's just the one guy too. Before you can even get off a sentence, Tim is you know punching him or kicking him and making him stop. I was surprised to see Maggie Sawyer, uh, just her brief little couple panels in here before we get uh, to Impulse. Um, I thought that was really cool, kind of getting the Metropolis police department around for all the chaos that's going on but impulse i was trying to scroll back up to look at the uh the pencil credits uh for this and this looks like a completely different artist is drawing impulse uh did you get that from this uh, seeing him here and i also want to say that I'd love when they use the actual logos of people that they're talking to. Oh, like, yes. Where he absolutely. says, can somebody call Superman? It's in the Superman font and the Justice League font. I, I thought it was funny that he mentions Harry Potter, yeah. and it's written in the Harry Potter font. The impulse is there. The little banner back and forth. He says, who are you? Impulse. Who? Kid Flash. Then just say that. Yeah, I, I, that I was love that. That was one of my favorite <laughs> lines in the book. <laughs> completely funny. It feels and sounds like Bart. It was by this point in the book, I was just grinning from ear to ear and taking it all in and knowing that I was getting closer and closer to the end of the book. I could feel less and less pages. 
Um, so what did you think of uh, Bart's uh, introduction here? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that it necessarily looks like a completely different artist, because uh, uh, I can still see, uh, like, around his mouth especially, uh, yeah, yeah. Is, uh, is definitely Gleason. Uh, I do think maybe Gleason is trying to stretch, though, maybe get a little more of the, the exaggerated features in there with Impulse, just, yeah, yeah. To, just because that's the character. Uh, right. He is maybe going a little more exaggerated, like in the feet than he normally would, or in how the hair swoops. But yeah, I loved this whole sequence with Bart. It was funny. It was exciting. It felt, I mean, it felt like there was tension and there were stakes with what he was doing, but it never felt like dour or overly serious. Like you felt like, you know, maybe, it, you know, he was actually saving people from something. Uh, right. But seeing him also save, you know, like some cats and a little baby <laughs> uh, all while he's just kind of quipping around like, like he is prone to do. I just made it a really encapsulated the, the, the high energy, just the enjoyable fun nature of this book. That and the backdrop splash page of the battle that's going on with Robin and his cape really huge. Which you is see so cool. Jenny Hex there. I mean, and it's completely upside down from the perspective of the city going. I, it's just, it's a breathtaking panel. This is probably one of my favorite shots out of the whole thing. And that Bart is breaking the quote unquote, like not fourth wall, but breaking the comic boundaries where he's rolling in from panel to panel, jumping mm. out of the panels, saving people. I thought was just a, a really good use of the panel layout and the panel layout through the whole book is really good. Even in the following couple pages, all the panels are slanted a little bit and then they're kind of cropped into one another. Then you have some diagonal panels going on where Robin's kind of getting choked out where uh, they're saying, you know, boy, bring me your real champion and wonder girls getting ready to save Robin here. So just, such a cool uh, series of panels. So what do you think about this section before we get to the Young Justice splash page? Young Justice is back. Yeah, uh, I really, I mean, in reading it, of course, I was the first time I was, you know, just enjoying it, just seeing how fun it was. And, uh, you know, the the dialogue and uh, uh, Gleason's just pencils by themselves. But um, until you mentioned it, I didn't quite realize it. But yeah, I love uh, in that double uh, page uh, spread where he's almost jumping from one panel to another and then sliding across the bottom of the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't, I didn't a uh, realize that, you know, it was kind of a moving around the page like that, you know, to draw you around the action where he's moving around the battle and yet still contributing to everything that everyone's doing here. But also, yeah, the, the creative panel layouts and then him almost being outside of the action by just uh, sliding in that negative space that's below but technically above because it is upside down, uh, right. the action. Uh, that was really creative. And uh, yeah, the I was maybe not moved to tears, but I was kind of uh, moved, had a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a warm you know like a warm chill i guess you know that makes no sense whatsoever but got the fuzzies you know when yes. uh, cassie was standing there and finally decided you know what i need to take action and uh, she has some tears in her eyes but just comes out yeah there's that double page spread again where she finally joins the fray really really great uh, character moment for her oh yeah and where 
you know, he's asking, bring your real champion. And then Tim says, "Uh Oh, you asked for wonder girl is back. That, that was kind of the, like you said, the, the goose pimple, you know, yeah. And and the, uh, you know, showing that he shows respect for her abilities and knowing that she can take care of the situation just as well as anybody else can. Teen Lantern makes an appearance. Like I said at the beginning, the cover, the variant cover with Robin and Wonder Girl, that's the closest look of Teen Lantern that you're going to get in this because she is inside of her mech suit that she's created. So a quick little beat here, but I do like that it says where Wonder Girl is falling and says, uh, you know, a Green Lantern. And she says, well, kind of, sort of, I'm Teen Lantern. I'm new. This is nuts. Hi. You know, yeah. get get that little bit of character moment. This could be an over uh, saturated. It's probably the wrong word. You know, a really full of characters, but he... Bendis finds just enough little bits and moments where you get just a taste of all these characters without it feeling rushed, but it does, the story does move very well. So with having now Robin, Impulse, Teen Lantern, Wonder Girl, all going on, and and Jenny in here, all going on, and then the splash page of all of them together just looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Young Justice is back. Indeed, they are, Bart. <laughs> now, we do have a little bit of what I'm assuming is not time travel, but more of a space travel, because all of them disappear very quickly, and then Robin finds himself at the end of a very bright purple sword, and it's Amethyst. So this is her introduction into the book, and it's very quick. That is all we got. Uh, she says, that's one question I have quite a few more like what are you doing in the house of amethyst and that is all we're getting from that we've got bart running into somebody very very important that we've been waiting for it is connor kent and i like that they made mention of him during the story like are we waiting for him to show up that they all know each other so i'm really kind of curious of how they all know each other, where yeah. in the new 52 rebirth continuity do they think they've all have been? Bart does say, how did you grow a beard? So yeah. I thought that was a nice little funny Connor's moment. supposed to be perpetually 16. So how did That's he grow right. a beard? <laughs> and, I mean, like you, I am curious how, uh, how they're going to make it so that they actually know who they are. Because last we saw Tim making any mention of Connor, he had no idea who he was. Uh, back right. in the Super Sons of Tomorrow story some somebody mentioned connor and he said uh or maybe that was uh part of a lonely place of living as well yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah i mean there it, that definitely played into it that he had no idea who connor was he felt like he should but he didn't but he also recognizes bart which maybe a little more leeway here because bart or at least somebody who was supposed to be bart was part of the uh new 52 teen titans wasn't he yeah. Okay. So, so which it may I think be at was least actually technically Bart Torn, which technically wasn't Bart Allen at all. But New Fifty Two Titans—that's going to be a tangent for another day. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, so at least uh, you know yeah. Robin would have reason to recognize Bart uh, if he has some history there. I mean, frankly, with a lot of the malleable and uh, fluid continuity that they're kind of bringing back in uh, slowly over time. I'm perfectly fine with it. Uh, I mean, if they just say, you know what, they know who they are, and then just pick up and go, 
I don't really care. Uh, yeah. Especially because at the very beginning of the book, that mysterious like hooded figure who came upon King Opal mentioned that there had been seven crises. Yeah. So they acknowledged that there is history in this world, but then other histories that have led to this world. So they at least acknowledge everything that's gone on with crisis on infinite earths, infinite crisis, um, final crisis, convergence, flashpoint, and even rebirth. Uh, I don't know if that counts as all seven, um, but they, they acknowledge that. So you could just say, Oh, well that part of the timeline is back in play. And there you go. They, they have right. an easy out there. I, and I think sometimes like over trying to explain sometimes like the simplest answer is usually just probably the best answer. You just say they know each other. It's from the timelines converging that that's all I need to know. I don't, I don't need to grab, put pictures on my wall and get string and pin <laughs> yeah. pin cushions to go, okay, this goes here. This has to go there. I think you can get into a continuity headache. If you're, if yeah. you're not careful Gu- guys, they're, they're comics. They know each other. That's why. right. Yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> I, right. I, I will. Yeah, earlier, you mentioned about impulse that it looked like it was drawn by somebody else. Uh, that image of Robin at the end of Amethyst Sword. That's that's a feeling I had there. That looks almost like an Eddie Barrows drawing right there. Yeah, it does. And so, I mean, not to say that that's bad. It's just I saw that and it was like, did did Barrows just draw that one panel there just just for fun or? Or is uh, Gleason just kind of channeling that, and that's just how the shading is? But yeah, I definitely got got some barrows uh, there from from that page. So I know it's only one issue, and sometimes it's really hard to kind of discuss as we're wrapping uh, this episode up of kind of what you think. You know, we're we're just it's even really hard to say we've got much of a story. It's more of an introduction, and we're just placed dropped right into this crazy battle and. Everything is spilled out on the table, and Bendis is kind of known for a slow burn, so people wanting answers to all these questions, I think we're going to have to wait a little bit, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I've waited this long. I want the payoff to to be worth it when this arc is wrapped up, that I can look back at it and go, oh, he was telegraphing stuff there. So being just one issue in, what do you think of, did it live up to what you wanted a first issue of all these characters to be. I mean, this was the fastest moving slow burn I've ever read. If that's oh, yeah. yes. I mean, it is constant forward momentum. Uh, and yet there's still great character work here as well. Honestly, I thought the first issue was going to be Tim Drake somehow coming across Bart Allen. And then the two of them something somehow coming across Connor Kent or maybe, you know, switch them. But effectively the boys coming together, figuring out that they need to uh, effectively maybe a, almost a retread of the first Peter David issue, even though they had already been together, they, they were going out looking for adventures. This instead completely flips that they find themselves in the middle of an adventure. And also with these other, characters that are going to be part of their team and uh, working alongside them. So I loved that it takes place over such a short period of time, but there's still so much going on, it, but it's, it's paced incredibly well. It's written really well. There, there are maybe a couple, a couple of clunkers in the dialogue here and there. Which, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's fine. But I mean, I love just even these small details 
that Bendis threw in, like like that Seven Crises. It's like you almost forget about it, but it's like that may be their open for how they're going to explain everything. Right. Uh, and then, you know, just other things like, did you notice the uh, two women in the diner that were from the Man of Steel uh, miniseries in the final ish, the final story in Action Comics 1000? Oh, uh, I completely missed that. Holy crap. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they were right there. Like, he threw that in. And then even smaller details, like uh, to- right before Bart, you know, makes the Young Justice proclamation, he says, no, us, we, duh, and then says, <laughs> Young Justice is back. So that's kind of a nice little callback to the no young, just us. Just us, yeah. <laughs> uh, just just all, the, all this great little stuff here. I mean, it was – I was hoping to have fun with this issue, and I did. I mean, it, it's, it wasn't what I was expecting it to be. It was completely different, and I'm thankful for that, and – I'm really glad that this book is is back because uh, it's just a blast. Yeah, I think this is something that Rebirth started with. And I know some people are kind of upset with what he's doing to John Kent, Superboy, getting Connor back. And then what's going on with John? People are kind of at polar opposites that I think there needs to be some little bit of a shakeup now that we're a couple years into rebirth and again i think it's one of those slow burns i think we're gonna have to wait and see what's going on in the superman books but i'm really starting i was kind of dragging my feet with it because it was the first brian michael bendis i'd ever written so i was coming in with some preconceived notions of what i've heard how he writes and i once i checked that at the door and went okay let's just read superman read these two books and see just how i feel about it i started getting in to the story a little bit and then going okay if this is how he's writing superman how is this going to translate into young justice and at least from this first issue it's it's not like he okay this is the same voice he's using for all these characters it's just the same superman book just happens to be robin superboy and barton right you know a teen lantern i feel like it's different he's got different voices for all these characters different attitudes so like you said what i thought i was getting wasn't what I was getting. And like you said, I'm perfectly fine with that. I liked being pleasantly surprised and put this book down and went, huh, okay, I'm ready for issue two. And I was really hoping this is going to be a bi-weekly title, but I think it's going to be a monthly title. Yeah, I'm which, pretty sure it's monthly. Which it's sucks, <laughs> but I think I think that'll be a good thing. It's good. It has an anticipation that I don't think it's going to feel like it's rushed, like, oh my gosh, he's, he's just filling story here. I think with a monthly title, I think that's going to be good for, for this book to be like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, folks, this is where we're going to end this introductory episode. We just hit the hour mark. I just want to thank everybody for tuning into this show. Uh, we are going to be, since this book is going to be a monthly book, unless you know we find out something otherwise, we are going to be intermixing this with the Peter David run of Young Justice, a 1998 version, and then uh, weaving in and out some Young Justice animated series discussion when we get there. There is a tie-in book for that. So there's going to be plenty to talk about on this podcast between these two books. So we hope you uh, have enjoyed this particular episode. But like we said, this is where we're going to end it. And uh, we'll see you probably in a month 
for the next installment of this, but the next episode that you're going to hear is going to go clear back to 1998 and see where this whole thing started. So on the behalf of Jay, this is your host, Rob, saying we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Everyone Loves Young Justice Podcast. We are part of the BatmanUniverse.net podcasting network. If you would like to get a hold of us, you can do so a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELYJ Podcast. We are also on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash ELYJ Pod. You can email under the show at ELYJ Podcast at yahoo.com and we will read your comments on the air. If you listen to the show on iTunes, leave a review there. That will help spread the word of the show, and we will read your review as well. Now, if your mode has been crashed, or if you feel a bit whelmed by the show, no infringement was intended. All music and sound clips belong to their respective copyright holders. These are just to illustrate and enhance your listening experience. No coinage is, was, or will be made by this show. Our wives said so. All characters discussed on the show belong to DC Comics. The opinions on this show belong to the two chatterboxes alone. Not that anyone else does, but if you want your voice heard, let us know why everyone loves Young Young Justice. Justice.